Uh, you can go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. And uh, I want you to know uh, as we, we meet this morning uh, that you've been prayed for. Uh, just uh, uh, praying for you not only this week, but uh, uh, staff, we prayed for you earlier uh, this morning. And then uh, not only that, but uh, just as uh, getting ready for this message and, and preparing, uh, the Lord had me up in the middle of the night uh, praying for you and, uh, and, and doing some, working on some things myself as well, praying uh, for myself as well, but it's led into a time of, of praying for you and uh, praying for this service because we have uh, you know, situations going on in our lives right now uh, that we may be struggling with and that we may not be sure what God's up to in the midst of this, and that may uh, be a temptation in the midst of those situations not to trust God, uh, not to believe that everything we're just saying about Him is true, that He is the way maker, that He can turn graves into garden, that there is nothing, absolutely nothing better than Him. Nothing. And, uh, and that is true. And even in the midst of some very troubling times that we live in, uh, but specifically some troubling times here in Mark chapter 14, uh, I want you to know that uh, Jesus is in charge. Matter of fact, the title of the message, Who is in Charge? And you ought to know the, question, the answer to that question, but we just need to be reminded of that. Not only in this passage of Scripture, which will draw some truths, but also in the things that we're going through in life. Look in Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 43, where it says, And immediately while he was speaking, remember he's been in the garden praying, I wanted to say praying with the disciples, but the disciples weren't praying, they were sleeping. Uh, he was praying. And as he is praying and wakes them up the third time, then he says, uh, my betrayer's at hand. That's where we pick up in verse 43. Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, the betrayer, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs came from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. And lead him away safely. And as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him. In other words, Judas went up to Jesus and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, but you did not seize me. But the scripture must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. And now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. A troubling situation. Problems, obviously, are going on there. It's not a good situation. Sometimes, you know, in life we find ourselves in, 
and, and troubling situations or, or just dealing with, with problems, at, uh, whether they be problems at, at work or, or problems in a store or problems at school or problems at a restaurant or something like that, and we ask the question, who's in charge? Or let me speak to whoever's in charge here. That's, uh, we, we ask that question, but as we look at this passage, we, it, it may not be obvious who is in charge, but Jesus had already said, and he, he'll say it again, that all authority and power is given unto him. He has all the authority. As a matter of fact, people had recognized that all throughout his ministry. He was described as one that, that taught with authority, and he, he spoke with authority, and the things that he did, he exercised that power and authority. The authority and the power that he has, it's the, the Greek word exousia, and it, it is the idea uh, of, well, is it is it the power that he has because of his, his strength and his ability to overcome, or is it the power that he has as far as his position uh, that he holds? And with Jesus, it's both. That's what exousia means. It means that, that, yes, he definitely has the power. There is no one that can do what he can do. Nothing is impossible for him. All power rests within him, and he can do anything he desires to do. And not only that, but he is perfectly righteous and perfectly holy, and everything that he does is right, and he is. He holds that position as God the Son, and there is no one above him. And so he has the authority. He is the one that is in charge. But this, this passage makes you wonder, you know. As, as you look at this, I mean, everything seems to be happening to him, and he doesn't be, seem to be exercising his authority and his power at all. Not only does this passage make us wonder, but let's just be honest. Sometimes the situations in our life make us wonder because things come into our life that we don't understand. Difficulties, hardships, trying times, and those words don't seem to really sum it up, some of the things that, that we have to go through in life. And, and those situations, those those hardships that we go through, those relationships that, that, that don't work out the way it, it seems to, to, to need to be working out, the, the doctor diagnosis that come in, and, and, some, and, and as we're, we're dealing with these real situations, these real issues, then Satan comes in there and we begin to question who is really in charge. Is God really in charge? And if he's in charge, why is this happening to us? And so we may wonder who is in charge. Well, in this passage of scripture and also with the situations of our life, there are always those who think that they are in charge. And this passage was no different. There were a lot of people who thought that they were in charge. First of all, Judas thought he was in charge. We read there in, in verse 44, it, it says that his betrayer had given them a signal as he comes to them. And he says, whomever I kiss, he is the one, sees him and lead him away safely. And it says in verse 45, as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And so Judas is the one that seems to be leading things out here, at least initially there. He's the one that he actually thought he could trick Jesus. He thought he could deceive Jesus and, and just go up to him. And Jesus doesn't stop him. But the reason Jesus doesn't shop, stop him is not because Jesus is not in charge, but it's because Jesus is in charge. But Judas thought that he was in charge. He betrayed him with a kiss. 
The kiss is a, is, is a, yes, it can be a sign of affection. Here it's supposed to be more of a sign of respect. Although he should have had affection for his, his Lord, his master, if he was really his Lord and his master. Anyone ought to love Jesus. The mercy and grace, grace that Jesus had shown even to Judas and, and that Judas had seen in his, in his life. And so here he is putting on a pretense here of respect. And sometimes we do that. We, we think that, that we're in charge and we'll give Jesus the kiss of respect so that we can get what we want which is really what Judas is doing. He's trying to use Jesus to get what he wants and he thinks he's succeeding. Judas thought that he was in charge. The religious leaders, they thought they were in charge. And back up in verse 43, it says, immediately while he was still speaking, that, that not only is Judas coming, but he's coming with a great multitude with swords and clubs. And they came from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. And they're there with them, these religious leaders that have been conspiring to find a way to arrest Jesus and to, to try him, at least to get him shut up. But that they had begun to get to the point they weren't satisfied with that anymore. They wanted him dead. And they thought they were in charge. Their plan was falling into place. They, they thought that they were right. They thought that they knew better than Jesus how to handle the situation. What was best for them, what was best for the Jewish religion, what was best for the Jewish people, they thought that they knew what was best. They even questioned his teaching, his authority, so that they could follow their own authority. The religious leaders thought they were in charge. The soldiers thought they were in charge. In verse 43, we read about them, and they, they're the great multitude here with swords and clubs. And, 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 and we read that they were, uh, in, in John chapter 18, there were over 600 soldiers that were there. That's a lot of soldiers for one man. It's probably a combination of the, the, the Jewish guard, the ones that were... Um, uh, soldiers and, and, and uh, kept charge of the temple and things like that, those Levites that had that, as well as the Romans that were there as well to make sure no uh, riot broke out or anything like that as a combination of them is probably why there were so many. And of course, these soldiers, they were well trained. And they were going to make sure there wasn't anything that happened that didn't need to happen because they were strong. They even came with swords and clubs to make sure what they thought needed to happen would happen there, guaranteeing they would get what they want. They thought they were in charge. Peter somehow thinks he's in charge. When they come to arrest Jesus, there in verse 47 we read, and one of those who, by the way, is Peter, we read that in the other Gospels. It was Peter. And I'm not sure exactly how Peter got marked not to put his name down. Uh, but because uh, I'm not sure he wasn't proud of this moment and everything, especially when Jesus rebukes him. But there were a lot of moments that Peter wasn't proud of. 
But here he thinks that he's in control. Matter of fact, remember Jesus has already talked to him about betraying him, not betraying him, but denying him. Uh, and not only denying him, but they all would scatter. And so Peter says, I'm not going to do it. So here's his chance to show that he's not going to do it. He says, one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. As you remember, Mark doesn't record it here, but Jesus heals that ear and puts it back on, which is a miracle in itself. But Peter thought he was in charge. 600 plus soldiers coming and Peter says, I can take them all on. I can fix this. Trying to prove Jesus wrong. By the way, you can never prove Jesus wrong. But that's what Peter's trying to do. Trying to help Jesus out. Let me tell you something. It is always right and proper to obey Jesus, but our obeying Jesus doesn't help him out. He doesn't need our help. But that's what Peter's trying to do. Which I think part of it is really, Peter's fighting, but Peter's not fighting for Jesus. He's fighting for what he wants. Because Jesus had told him he needed to die for what God wanted. Jesus told him that if he was going to follow him, he needed to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. But Peter's going to do it his way. What about you and your situation? Who, who is in charge of your situation? Are you trying to take charge of your situation? Are there external factors or external people or, or, or others that are, uh, have the authority, that seem to have the authority that are taking charge of your situation? The doctor may think that, that he's in charge. Your boss may think that they're in charge. Your spouse may think that they're in charge of the situation. You may think that it's just faith that's in charge of the situation. The disease may think that it's in charge of the situation. You may think that you're in charge and that you're controlling the situation around you, but the reality is none of these things are in charge. Do you understand that? In every situation that we're dealing with, the, 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 the circumstances, the disease, other people, none of these are in charge. There is always a higher authority that's in charge. And we've been singing about him. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Let's look at the one who is in charge. And by the way, all of this that happened here that these people thought that they were in charge, it all happened according to God's plan. It all happened because it was what God wanted to happen and Jesus himself was submitting to it. He was surrendering to the plan of God. Look, I want to remind you, first of all, of the authority of the Son of God. In our situation, in every situation we find ourselves in, I want you to understand, first of all, he knows Jesus knows. What does he know? He knows everything. 
He knows about our situation and he knows everything about our situation. Matter of fact, over in, in Mark chapter 14, we've been reading the uh, not the predictions, but really the prophecy and the statements that Jesus has made, the truths that he has made. He said there back in, in verse 18 of Mark chapter 14, he said, Assuredly I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And this is exactly what has taken place here. In Mark chapter 14 and, and, and verse 27, he said there that he said, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That's exactly what is happening here. They're beginning to scatter. He knew that this was going to happen. And when it happens, it doesn't take him by surprise. And by the way, nothing that we go through takes us by surprise. Not only that, but notice what's going on here. In verse 51, it says, I read that passage about a certain young man that followed him, having a linen cloth thrown about his naked body. And the young man laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth, and he fled from them naked. Uh, more likely was he just had his, his undergarments on there. They, they took the outer cloak off of him as he fled. By the way, this young man is Mark who is writing this gospel. And it's all happening according to God's plan. He is there. He heard the betrayal. He saw what is, is, is going on. And, and so everything that is, everyone is in their position. Everyone is doing it. It's almost like, now Jesus does not, is not a controlling dictator, but it's almost like he's moving the pieces to the puzzle to accomplish God's plan. Because he knows everything. Every detail was planned by God. Not only does he know, but he is able. Able to do what? Able to do whatever is necessary, whatever needs to be done, and whatever will bring glory to the Father. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53 you see, he, he makes a statement there as he's being betrayed and being arrested there. He makes this statement. He says, do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide we, me with more than 12 legions of angels? This has not happened because they're overpowering Jesus. And by the way, your situation is not happening because the situation or the disease or what's going on around you or the enemy or even you are overpowering Jesus. He is able. He's the one that stopped the storm. He's the one that raised the dead. And he could have stopped this if he wanted to. Jesus believed. Verse 36 of John chapter 14, when he was praying there, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Jesus is able. The Father is able. He knows he is able, and by the way, he cares. Nobody cares for you like Jesus does. And the whole reason why he didn't stop this, the whole reason why this start begins to go down like it does is because he does care for you. And he cared for Judas, and he cared for those soldiers, and he cared for those chief priests. Matter of fact, those soldiers a little bit later in the Gospel of Luke some of those very same soldiers as they're nailing him to the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
And some of these very chief priests and scribes we read about in the book of Acts are later preached to by this Peter who cut off the guy's ear. Or the gospel is preached to them and proclaimed to them. And the early church preaches to them, proclaims to them. And many of these religious leaders come to faith in Jesus. He's doing it for them. And he's doing it for us. See, Jesus is not about giving us a pain-free life. Jesus is about giving us a joy-filled relationship. He brings that to us. That's true of our situation. Whatever the situation is that you're dealing with, and it may be multiple situations that you're dealing with. Sometimes that, that, that happens in our, in our lives where we have situation and, and it's difficult and, and we're trying to have faith in that and then here comes another situation on top of that and another situation on top of that and another situation on top of that and another situation on top. Doesn't, it happens that way, doesn't it? We, we go through that. And we think, well, I can handle one of these things, but all of this is too much, and you're exactly right. It's too much for us. But Jesus is there with us to give us the direction that we need, to give us the comfort that we need, to give us the hope. This Jesus that knows everything, that is able to do whatever needs to be done. He loves us. He cares for us. He is there with us. And He is the one that's in charge. Trust Him. But not only do we see the authority of the Son of God, but we also see the authority of the Word of God. As Jesus is speaking here, and not only as he is speaking here, but he's, as he is, the scripture is being fulfilled before our very eyes, we need to understand you can count on Jesus and you can count on his word. It's all true. Every bit of it is true. Every promise is true. He mentions there in verse 50, he says, they all forsook him and fled which is exactly what Jesus said back in verse 27. He said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. As it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. They all fled just like he said they would. Jesus speaks truth. Everything that he says is true. Let me tell you something. Our experiences don't prove the word of God to be true. It is true. It just confirms it. Everything we read in this book, everything we read in the Word of God, it is all true, and by the way, it will all be fulfilled. In Isaiah 53, this prophecy is being fulfilled before their very eyes. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. 
It's being fulfilled before their very eyes, just like he said, it is coming down. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7 is a verse that is quoted there that Jesus quotes where he says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. It's being fulfilled before their very eyes. And by the way, every word of every promise in the word of God, every prophecy in the word of God will be fulfilled. And it can be fulfilled in our situation and in our circumstances. Romans 10, 13 is just as true and just just as real, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's true today. If you do not know Jesus, that's true. If you'll call upon him, he will save you. In John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you can be also. It's be with me also. There is true. It's all true. Romans 8 is true. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And by the way, the last part of that chapter is true as well, that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can. It's true. He's in charge. And in this and understanding this situation, it did not look like he was. It looked like Judas was in charge. And then you go in a little bit deeper and you go, well, Judas is just doing what the religious leaders are saying. It looks like they're in charge. But they couldn't arrest him. The strength and the power was there. And that was in the, uh, uh, in the, the, the soldiers and the Roman soldiers that were there. They're the ones that are really in charge. Well, Satan's behind all of this. Satan is the one that's, that's trying to do all of this. So he's the one in charge. None of it's true. Jesus is in charge. And that's true of your situation. It may not look like it. You may not understand what is going on. There may be pain in the process. There may be hurting that is there. But Jesus is in control. So how are we going to respond to this truth? In our situation, and what we're going through right now, well, we can flee. That's what Mark did. We read that about him fleeing and running away. Not only him, but the disciples did as well. They all scattered us, but I got some good news for you. If you have been fleeing, God will find you. By the way, he's never lost a game of hide and seek. He knows where you are. And not only does he know where you are, but he's there with you. Don't flee from him. Well, we can deceive. We can try to trick Jesus somehow or another into doing what we want him to do, kind of like Judas was trying to do. And of course... When I say it like that, that doesn't make any sense. So, But we do that, don't we? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just, I'll start going to church more faithful. I'll put more in the offering play. I'll do this. I'll do, and maybe God will straighten some things out when I start doing that, when I start doing better, when I start performing better. We begin to think that. And by the way, you can't trick Jesus into the. That's not what Jesus is up to. And if that's what you've been trying to do, I've got great news for you. God will forgive you. He told those soldiers, or told the father before those soldiers, 
Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He forgave and he restored Peter. He would have done it for Judas too, I'm convinced, but Judas just didn't return. I'll tell you what we can do. Because we're strong, aren't we? We can flex. We can put our nose to the grind. We can work through this. We can grit our way through this. We can be determined. We can do that. Like the soldiers that were depending upon their power and their strength. But even as much as we try to exercise our own authority, our own strength, our own determination, our own abilities, understand this. We're not in control. And God will control. And I'm so thankful that he does. Even when I try to take control, he always has control. I can't take it away from him. I can't overpower him. And neither can the enemy. You understand that? God will control. Well, I can just, I won't try to flex. I'll just try to fix. I'll just give God some good suggestions on what to do. And I'll just help, help him along. I'll take the matter into my own hands. Kind of like Peter. And of course, he's in the one that's in control. And he's got all the authority. I'll just come in there and help him out along the way. And get it going in the right direction. And, and we do that time and time again. And the good news is, is that God is patient with us. And he corrects us. And the same Peter who tried to fix everything with himself, God did that in him. God showed mercy to him. Jesus showed grace and, and opportunity and restored him. And a little bit later on, here, here's Peter in, in, in a situation where he's being arrested by these same, probably these same folks that arrested Jesus and brought before him and told not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And rather than trying to take him on with a sword or rather than trying to, to, to run away like he did after this and denying Jesus because the Holy Spirit of God is within him because he's walking with Jesus. He's leaning on Jesus. He stands up and says, I must obey God and not men. I can't. I, this is what I must do. And he prays and asks God for more boldness. And God can correct you as well. So what do we do with our situation? We don't, if we don't flee or deceive or flex or fix Oh, this is what we need to do with every situation in life. We need to take it to Jesus and submit. Let me, let me help you understand this. When I say submit, I don't mean that we just sit back and, and do nothing. I don't mean that we just are, pull up the, the handle on our recliner and just lay back and no, 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 no. That's not what submission is. That's not what surrender is. That's not when a soldier is submitted to his authority. That's not what he does. To submit means to give him your situation, but it means to trust him with your situation. And it means to obey him in your situation. You understand that? If he is in charge and he is the authority, I submit and I surrender to him and I obey him. 
I do what he says in my marriage. I do what he says for me to do at work. I do what he says for me to do with this bully at school or whatever the case might be. I do what he says for me to do and, and as my children have gone astray, I obey him. I give it to him. But by giving it to him doesn't mean, okay, I give it to you. You go out and fix it while I'm going to ignore it and go do what I want to do in other areas of my life. To give it to him says I give it to you. Now, I'm on my knees before you. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I'm praying before you. I'm seeking your will. And whatever you reveal to me through your word, through your true word, whatever you tell me to do, I will do that. And let me tell you something. When you do that, when you surrender to him, God will receive that. And God will not only work in that situation, but he'll work in you as well. God will lead you. Wait upon him. Continue seeking him. He'll give you the direction that you need. He'll work in that situation in a, in a way that will bring him honor and glory. And the result will be good. It may not be the result that you had thought would be good. It may not be what you were hoping for, but it will be exactly what needs to happen. This morning when I was, uh, God woke me up and I was up for a little while in, in prayer. Part of that was just kind of working some of these things out because when I first woke up, the first thought that came to my mind, and I, I feel like it was the Lord speaking to me, is what are you going to do with this sermon? This morning. A lot of times I go to sleep thinking about my sermon. I'll, I'll have it fresh in my mind when I go to bed and, and it's on my mind throughout and I'll wake up thinking about it and, and things along that line. I'd already done a lot of preparation earlier in the week and so uh, Thursday I was just tying up a few loose ends and, and everything and ready to go and stuff. And so I'd, I went over it again Saturday night just kind of fresh in my mind but just I was thinking about that and I thought, what do you mean? What am I going to do with it? And he said, what about your situations? And I began to think about these situations that have arisen in my life that I have prayed about them and I've given them to the Lord, but I hadn't been obeying him in them. In other words, I said, okay, Lord, you take this. I'm going to go focus on this. And God said, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to trust me with the situation. And this situation, and I, I began thinking about it. I said, okay, which situations are we talking about? And I kind of knew, and he said, this one. I said, oh, yeah, I need to. And then he said, and this one, I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and this one, and this one, and this one. And God just began to, to break me in a way, understand not because of, of all the wrong that I've done, but just letting me know that he cares for me. And he cares about what's going on in my life. And he has got a plan for my situations because he's in control. And he's in charge.
and he does for you as well. See, the question is not who's in charge. The question is, will we submit to the one in charge? This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.